We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, this is the Guilty as Charged podcast where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media including our Patreon account where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Alright guys, so happy to be joined now by some of our fellow Bullbeat writers uh jason reed our site expert and tyler gallagher are here joining us today as well as tyler shoon uh tyler is going to be joining us on our game review episodes from now on so i'll be kind of like getting the band back together so to speak and we're excited to have him back on a part-time basis so uh we're with our fellow bull beat writers today to do a nfl preview so to speak we'll do uh super bowl picks mvp picks as well as get into some chargers uh, specific predictions like their record and team MVP and things like that. So we'll start with Tyler Shoon and we'll get his uh, two uh, Super Bowl teams and the Super Bowl winner and get that prediction and then we'll kind of just go down the road. So without further ado, Tyler, get us started. You want the conference championship stuff too or just the Super Bowl? No, we'll just do the Super Bowl. Uh, okay. Well, in a much boring turn of events, the Ravens made it. And I have them playing the Seahawks, and I have the Ravens winning. The Seahawks is a bit of a, I don't know about wild card, but I don't, I don't know about the Saints. And the Vikings always blow it. So I went with Seahawks, Ravens, Ravens win. I think, you know, that was uh, definitely a, a wild card pick on Twitter as well. Obviously, I tweeted that, and the Seahawks were pretty popular as well. So we'll move on now to Jason Reed. 
Jason, your Super Bowl participants and the winner. Um, again, hopefully representing the AFC. Such a boring pick, and I like I really like the Saints. Unfortunately, uh, mm. it's my best friend's favorite team, so it hurts every time they do good. <laughs> but uh, I think it's Chiefs Saints. I'll pick the Saints just so we don't have to watch the Chiefs win twice in a row. Oh, I like yeah, it. That, that would be brutal. But I do like that. It feels every single year at this time, it feels like the Saints could, yeah. could finally do it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So uh, we'll see how that pans out. Obviously, the Buccaneers should be a, a bigger challenger than they've had in the past. Um, Tyler Gallagher, your Super Bowl participants and winner. Yeah. So for the AFC, I feel like it's a lot more predictable. At the top, you really just have the Chiefs and Ravens. Because of lack of playoff success with Lamar, I'm just going to go with Chiefs there. And then NFC is a lot more open. The four main ones I've got are Saints, 49ers, Vikings, and Seahawks. But like Jason, I'm also with the Saints. I feel pretty good on defense. And I think Drew Brees can hold on long enough, especially with a guy who can get short routes open like Michael Thomas. But I'm going to go Chiefs. Yeah, I think that's that's a pretty safe bet. Alex, your Super Bowl participants and winner. Uh, I am suing because I think Tyler stole mine. Um, <laughs> I also have the Ravens and the Seahawks. Um, Ravens, just because, yeah, I think I think everyone mostly has Ravens and Chiefs with a couple, you know, sleeper picks. But that's those are the two in the AFC, really. The NFC, yeah, I I don't trust the Saints anymore. Drew Brees is too old and just. I don't know. They failed too many times for me to pick them again. Uh, and also, I don't want to pick an organization paying Taysom Hill $20 million. <laughs> um, but uh, as for the other contenders in the NFC, I don't know. Uh, the Niners, I feel like their defense is going to re- regress a little. That's just my kind of feeling right now. Boys are loaded, but I don't know. Is Are they really going to do it this time either? And then, I don't know, the Packers, I feel like we've seen the best of them already. So... I feel like they're, that's kind of so. I I would go with the Seahawks and the Ravens. Uh, Ravens by three. Oh, and a score prediction. I like it. Uh, so I'm going with the Ravens as well. I think you know they were 14 and two last year, and really, you know, if if it weren't for a, a Derrick Henry stiff arm, they probably beat the Titans. So uh, I think the Ravens have the best offseason. Adding Calais Campbell, they had a great draft. J.K. Dobbins and Patrick Queen are going to be difference makers for them. Uh, and then I still think the 49ers, I know Alex just mentioned their uh, kind of their possible regression coming, but you know, Kyle Shanahan and and that continuity, I think is going to pay big time dividends for them this year. And George Kittle and Debo Samuel, I think are going to do you know great things with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, so we'll move on now to our MVP picks. We'll also do um, offensive player of the year. So that means, you know, maybe someone who's on a bad team, like uh, Christian McCaffrey, for example, uh, and then Defensive Player of the Year. So you get MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, and Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, this time we'll go in reverse order and start with Alex. So my MVP uh, of the league is going to be Mahomes. Uh, that's boring, but you know I, I think he has the ability to do it like he did in 2018. Uh, I don't know if it'll be quite that historic of a year, but you know he missed four games last year, and... Actually, you know what? I'm going to change my pick. I just thought of something better. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. Ah, oh, come on! <laughs> <laughs> I was feeling Mahomes, but now I'm going to go Wilson, just because Wilson's, you know, the infamous stat that he's never gotten an MVP vote and all that. Yeah, I feel like you know, 
virus type year where you know there hasn't been as much practice and much preparation i feel like p carroll's gonna give him a little bit more uh slack so i'll go wilson has a good year and he he was close for a little bit there last year before lamar pulled away so i mean i'll go i'll go rust okay what about your offensive player of the year and defensive player of the year defensive player of the year uh i will go i'll go joey bosa and offensive <laughs> and offensive player of the year. Uh, yeah, I'll go CMC. Okay, there we go. It seems like uh, Alex and Tyler have the same answers. So, Tyler, <laughs> uh, Shun, any differences between your picks and Alex's picks? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. You want to add any anything to that? No, thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, Tyler Gallagher, your MVP, offensive player of the year, and defensive player of the year. Yeah, was definitely also going to go Russell Wilson as like kind of an underdog guy, but also distinctly possible. But I'll change and go even more underdog to have out some Matt Ryan. Oh, I think that's a team that could be good given things go right for them. They've got a lot of good guys on defense, and I feel like overall they could get over the hump, especially with those offensive weapons. Um, offensive player of the year. I'll go Christian McCaffrey. I think he could get the Panthers to something reasonable. And then defensive player of the year, if we're all being honest, we'd probably say Aaron Donald. But to go off of that a little bit, I think someone who's been underhyped a ton and will be on a good team as well would be Cameron Jordan on the Saints. Yeah. I think he could definitely have a good year any year. Cameron Jordan definitely is capable of winning it. I think he's put up big-time numbers recently. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, getting some of that recognition. So, Jason Reed, any of your uh, picks different from the other three? Um, MVP is weird this year. I was just thinking about it. And it's like, obviously, you could pick Mahomes, Lamar, Russell Wilson. I guess to be different, I could just make the case for Dak Prescott winning MVP. And I'm not saying uh, he should be the favorite. But, uh, I mean, half of the MVP is just media bias, if we're being honest. So, if the Cowboys finally... True if they finally win 12 games like they should and he has another year like last year uh he's gonna get votes just from being on america's team um a non-quarterback to win offensive player of the year i still like michael thomas i think i'm in the minority of think of thinking michael thomas is uh the best receiver in the league i know 90 percent of football fans don't think that but i think he's really good and i was gonna pick joey bosa but uh it was stolen but i'm still gonna pick joey bosa actually there we go so that's an interesting point because i think you know this chargers defense is obviously gonna be more reliant on joey bosa without derwin james do you think that losing derwin would kind of hurt bosa's chances or hurt his production at all um i don't think so i think the secondary is good enough i mean obviously derwin hurts but you know if Rayshon and Nasir Adderley get hurt, then you know we could have that conversation. Not saying they're the same player as Derwin James, but I think the secondary is good enough where, and Bose is good enough where Derwin's injury won't necessarily hurt his chances. I just he's 25. I mean, I was right in the he's in a contract year narrative, but obviously that's not true anymore. Um, I feel like this is the first year of his prime, and if you look at, I think it's his 2017, or was that the year he was hurt? No, I think 2017. One yeah. of his years, he had like identical numbers to Aaron Donald in terms of pass rush. And so, so I mean, do even more. so I like him to win defensive player of the year. Yeah, that's a good call too. So for me, uh, just to kind of mix it up, I thought about going Dak Prescott. I honestly did. 
Um, <laughs> so I think that's a good call because he has the numbers. And if he gets the wins too, I think, you know, he'll be in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes will be in there as well. Um, but I'm going to go with Deshaun Watson. You know, I think, uh, just a, from a narrative standpoint, you know, he's going to prove that, you know, he didn't necessarily need DeAndre Hopkins. I think he's going to put up big time numbers and, you know, if the Texans can win that division, I think that will go a long way for him. Um, offensive player of the year. I'm going to go with George Kittle. I think Kittle and his value is really understated. Um, you know, obviously I, I still think people think that Travis Kelsey is better than him. I think from, from a pass catching standpoint, they're pretty equal and Travis Kelsey is an amazing blocker. So I'm going to give that nod to Kittle. And then defensive player of the year, I'm going to go back to Khalil Mack. Uh, you know, I think last year they didn't really have a secondary pass rusher opposite of him. And so I think Khalil Mack is going to benefit big time from Robert Quinn's addition and uh, put up some big time numbers this year as well. Cool. So we'll move on now to the Chargers stuff, the important nitty gritty conversations. Um, the first topic we're going to cover is Charger with the best chance at his first Pro Bowl appearance. So breakout players are a little, uh, you know, a little uh, dry these days. I feel like, you know, it's very common pick, you know, Ray Sean or Nasir Adderley or Drew Tranquil. So we're going to narrow this down even more. Charger with the best chance to make his first Pro Bowl. Obviously, that includes rookies. If someone wants to be so bold, uh, we'll start with Tyler Gallagher. Who do you think is has the best chance there? So uh, several episodes ago when you guys had us earlier, I went with Ray Sean Jenkins for the guy coming out and I still would say it for a pro bowl. That's given the fact that he's going to be in a defense where he can be more versatile and do more of the things he is better at, as opposed to being kind of that lurker back there and, you know, going in for interceptions and then also being the last guy to tackle because he's not always the best tackler. I think he'll be in a better position to succeed this year. And on top of that, he's been improving every single year. He's in a contract year. I think he could put it together. Now he needs the national media attention because the Pro Bowl is all about who cares. But beyond that, I think he really could put it together this year to a point where you get a Pro Bowl. Yeah, I like that call. You know, when Tyler and Jason and I did the breakout players, Rayshon was my pick as well. I don't know if he'll make a Pro Bowl, but I, I like the pick from Tyler Gallagher. Uh, Tyler Shoon, your, your pick here. I think he'll have to lean on some college fans, but Kenneth Murray, I have I think has a future role in a defense playing Mike is a, is a big time deal. You got Linval Joseph in front of you as well to make things easier. And I think if he has like a solid Darius Leonard kind of season, makes the pro bowl there. Nice. I like that pick. We did our uh, top 10 chargers for bolt beat. And I think it was Jason Reed who had mm-hmm. Kenneth Murray in the top 10 as well. Uh, yeah. Would you agree with Tyler's pick, Jason? He could be a pro bowler for sure. Um, I honestly think there's only one answer to this question though. And I'm surprised it hasn't been said yet. And that's Austin Eckler. I'm shocked that we got two people in and no one said Eckler. I mean, he's the RB one now. Um, he had what? 1600 yards from scrimmage last year. And he only played 57% of the offensive snap uh, snaps. Um, that's going to go up. I, his rushing numbers are going up, going to go up. I think his receiving numbers will go down a little bit just from the nature of the offense, but I see him getting, you know, 50-50, hopefully some more touchdowns under his belt. And people love fantasy football, and he's a huge fantasy commodity, so that'll kind of carry him to the Pro Bowl by itself. So 
I think Austin Eckler. I think there's several guys like Brian Bulaga, not to uh, take Alex's answer if that's what he's going to say, but I would pick Eckler, <laughs> you know, gun to my head if I had to pick one. <laughs> yeah, Eckler's tough because, I mean, he obviously had a very good season last year and, and nothing really came of it. I think when it comes to the Pro Bowl, people are kind of stuck with the same six answers, or whatever. And by the time they get to Eckler, they just don't have enough votes for him. But I mean, I'd love to see it. Absolutely. I would absolutely love to see it. I think the running back position is much more open in the AFC than it is the NFC, though. You know, in the AFC, there's really. You know, Nick Chubb, who is competing with, you know, uh, Kareem Hunt and, you know, and obviously Clyde Edwards, the can make it interesting this year. But I think the NFC is really like the conference of running backs. Um, Alex, your thoughts on uh, Charger to Charger most likely to make their first Pro Bowl appearance. Wow, that was a struggle. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Brian Balaga. I was a Brian Balaga didn't have a Pro Bowl appearance when I first kind of started researching him uh, when he came over here. So, you know, I, I just think he's going to be such a dramatic improvement over what they had before, which is Trent Scott and other people. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, just based on that and the fact that he's got, he's got Trey Turner next to him, uh, I think that makes for a pretty good right side of the line where he'll stand out pretty frequently. Um, you know, especially if, you know, Austin Ackler pops off for a really good year, um, that could kind of benefit his case as well. So I'll go Balaga just because, you know, he's never made a Pro Bowl and now, you know, he gets to work with James Campen again. Um, I, I don't know if I would say it's a lock for a Pro Bowl, but it's probably the most likely charger in my opinion. I like it. I like that we have uh, four different picks so far, so I'll continue that trend and go with Drew Tranquil. Um, mm. I think Drew Tranquil is going to be a tackling machine, and I think that Notre Dame fan base is strong and could, uh, you know, kind of push him over the edge. And you know, I, I thought Kenneth Murray was my – first thought as well but you know maybe Denzel Perriman kind of steals some snaps and some stats away from him uh, I don't think Drew Tranquil comes off the field that much and so I think Tranquil will be uh, a pro bowler this year so we'll move on now to uh, obviously the Chargers have a tough schedule and I think it, it's there are some games that are more guaranteed than others uh, but the Chargers are very notorious for losing games they should win and winning games that they shouldn't win so we'll uh, go each uh, each of us will give one game we think the team should win but will lose and one game that they should lose but they will win. Uh, we'll start there with Jason Reed. Okay, so when I think of games they should win but they'll lose, uh, the first game that instantly jumped to the top of my head because I think I actually predicted them to lose it is the game in Miami. Yeah. Obviously, this team is different. It's a different makeup, different quarterback, but it goes back to even before Phil. Um, they just struggle in Miami, and I think it's just the classic, you know, West Coast team going to the East Coast and playing a, a afternoon game. So you know, it's really 10 a.m. their time. Um, you know, they got there. It's kind of a sandwich of an easy schedule. You come off the Bucks and the Saints, and you have the Jets, Dolphins, Jags. You kind of look at that, and then the Raiders. You look at that like, okay, we should win these four. That just feels like the one that you know it's sloppy. You lose by a last second field goal, whatever the case may be. Um, in terms of games that they should lose that they could win, I think the best case to be made is probably against Tampa. Uh, you're catching them early in the season. They got so many new pieces. They're still going to be figuring it out. Um, yeah, it's the same thing, traveling to Florida. So <laughs> I guess that argument makes no sense. But um, <laughs> I think they're still going to be figuring things out first you know, quarter of the season. And it's not a team like the Chiefs that they've seen already. Both of them. So I'd probably say. Well, the traveling to Florida is interesting because – you know, you're traveling to Florida against a good team and you're traveling to Florida against a bad team. So yeah. 
maybe it's more of like an emotional thing where we're going to get up against the Buccaneers and kind of let down against the Dolphins. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Uh, Alex, your thoughts on this question. Uh, I don't think they should lose to the Buccaneers because the Buccaneers are overrated. Uh, but <laughs> but anyway, be favored though. So uh, I guess, um, but yeah, so yeah, I totally agree with the Miami one that smells like, you know, uh, East coast game and, you know, maybe two is playing by then and has kind of some kind of performance. Uh, I, I just, they struggled with Miami last year and Miami was terrible last year. Uh, so I don't know. I can definitely see that being an L, uh, game they should lose, but will win. Uh, I'll say the bills game. It's a one o'clock East coast. Uh, but you know, it's kind of in November, maybe it'll be cold, but, um, I think they win that one just because, uh, they played pretty well the last time at the bills, uh, two, two years ago. Uh, and you know, I've never been much impressed with Josh, uh, Josh Allen. So I don't know. I, I feel like that's a game they can win. Uh, that's comes off of the Broncos game. Uh, I don't know. I'm sort of mixed on how I feel about the bills this year. So while I think they're a AFC East favorite, I think the chargers could certainly still beat them. I like that call for sure. Uh, Tyler Shoon, your thoughts on this question. Yeah, Bills is an interesting choice. Uh, unexpected loss. I obviously, like you guys, had the Dolphins. I'll say Bengals, though. But I'll talk about the Dolphins first. Uh, if there's any team that's going to hand you an unexpected loss, the last thing you want to see is Ryan Fitzpatrick, who <laughs> could potentially just throw for five touchdowns for whatever. Um, and he said, going, the Dolphins took them to about the half in the last year and did pretty well. So, I wouldn't be surprised. And like you said, like that team actually kind of wants to win. Um, like the Jaguars don't, the Jets don't. The, I think the Chargers will handle the Raiders. The Dolphins actually kind of want to win. Um, so we'll see. I don't, depends on who's the quarterback at that time. I don't know. But the Bengals, Chargers can't handle a week one game. They might not have Mike Williams. Maybe Pouncey makes a difference. They don't have Pouncey. What is the interior line shuffle? I don't know. Uh, who else is out that game? Oh, well, Durbin James, obviously, but he's out the whole year. Um, so we'll see. They just have we- bad week one luck. Maybe that's a Rivers thing, but uh, we'll find out, I guess, pretty soon. But hopefully I'm wrong. And then an unexpected win. I said Bucks as well, not because I don't think they can't, not because I don't think they can beat the Bucks, but because they seem to be the underdogs, like Jason said. Like people don't think they'll beat the Bucks, but I'm not really sold on the Buccaneers. I'm not sold on their offensive line. I'm not sold on their secondary. Great skill, great line, great front seven. Not so solid on that secondary and offensive line, which sounds like the Chargers. Solid, solid, uh, solid picks for there. Uh, Tyler Gallagher, your thoughts? Yeah. Um, as far as an unexpected win, the Buccaneers, I also thought was a pretty good option, but Alex kind of shutting that off with saying they suck, which <laughs> is fair. <laughs> um, so something that would be pretty unexpected, but I could kind of actually see would be the Saints. So Chargers are going there. There isn't going to be that crowd noise disadvantage that we thought would be there. Um, and if anyone has a shot to shut down Michael Thomas, it would be Casey Hayward. I feel like that's a pretty good matchup if you're going to have anyone against him. So I could see it. It's not going to be easy, but it's possible. And then an unexpected loss. I'll go quite a bit different. Something to be really to the pan. Um, I think. So their offensive line is a little bit patchwork, but at least they have people that are familiar with facing the Chargers defense, like Russell Okun and 
some guys like that. Um, and Michael Schofield and Trent Scott and <laughs> basically yeah. <a> former Charger. <laughs> yeah. And I could see Christian McCaffrey having a good day and their defense has just enough that it could make it interesting. And that game is also between the Chiefs and Buccaneers, so I could definitely see it being a little overlooked. Now, I don't think Anthony Lynn is one to let the team overlook people, but if it's going to happen, that's a good week to happen. That's a good call because, honestly, you know, we've seen how much this defense struggles with running backs, and Christian McCaffrey is the best in the business. So I think that's a good call. Um, to kind of mix it up, you know, I, I was going to go with the Bengals from the start here. Um, Tyler mentioned the Mike Pouncey injury. We don't really know what's going on there. Um, and, you know, Geno Atkins, I just did a film breakdown on him. Geno Atkins is still a monster, still capable of wrecking any kind of game plan that the Chargers throw at him, uh, especially without Mike Pouncey. So I think the Chargers are going to struggle a little bit on Sunday more than people think. You know, I've seen some uh, outrage over the Vegas only favoring the Chargers by three. Um, but I think this game is going to be low scoring, going to be close. And I think, you know, Joe Burrow could potentially – uh, have like a game-winning drive type of situation as a coming out party, unfortunately for the Chargers. Um, I do also agree about the Saints. You know, I think the lack of fans plays to the Chargers' favor. And again, Casey Hayward, you know, Chris Harris could certainly, you know, hold down Michael Thomas enough to where the Saints' offense struggles to move the ball a little bit more. Alvin Kamara's been banged up. He's missed time. Alvin Kamara had an epidural. I don't know if pe- – like people were not talking about that, but – like he literally had back pain so bad that he had to get something that is for pregnant women. So um, I think that has kind of been underplayed by the national media. So uh, we'll kind of move on to the next question here. Then uh, we'll do MVP offensive player and defensive player for the chargers. Obviously, if you already mentioned Joey Bosa, you don't have to talk about him again, uh, but we'll do MVP offensive player, defensive player for the chargers. And we'll start with Tyler Shoon. Mm, uh, I forgot to write it down. I'll make it up. Uh, <laughs> um, oh geez okay well look if he's the defensive mvp in the nfl i'm gonna say joey bose is the mvp of the team offensive mvp well i gotta go tyrod taylor i know it's, that's tough because allen and eckler are such good picks too yeah it depends on the season i'll go tyrod taylor because i don't think anybody else will defensive mvp then uh let's go casey hayward yeah you couldn't not choose tyrod man <laughs> you're the captain of the well, Bobby Holly didn't make it so what am I supposed to do <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, that one hurt uh Tyler Gallagher your picks here yeah so offensive MVP you know when you're looking at MVP you're looking at a guy that makes everyone better makes everything click and I think that guy is Keenan Allen he's gonna make Tyrod Taylor look close to like an average or above average starter and he's gonna take people away from whatever the opposing receiver is from him whether it's Mike Williams out there or someone else. I think he's going to be a huge driving force behind the offense working. So defense, I mean, it's hard to go with anyone other than Joey Bosa. Um, I think someone who's going to be absolutely critical compared to past years and stopping the run will be Linval Joseph, but I don't think he quite rises to that importance because he can't really rush the passer quite as well. Yeah. But he'll be critical of stopping the run. For sure. That's a good pick. I like that one. Uh, Alex, we'll go with you and then Jason after that. Yeah. uh, So I'm going to go with uh, uh, Joey Bosa as my MVP. Uh, You know, I said it before, but I think with Linval Joseph there now, as Tyler mentioned, he's just going to get uh, a lot more uh, help on the interior than he's ever had before. 
Um, he has Melvin Ingram on the other side of him. So I think Joey Bosa is a, you know, pretty much with, with Derwin James out now uh, is pretty clearly the defensive MVP uh, or the overall team MVP, I should say. Uh, offensive MVP, uh, I'll go, yeah, I'll go Keenan. Uh, the volume is just too much there. And I think Tyron's going to rely on him heavily. Um, Hunter Henry could be kind of a dark horse answer if he stays healthy. Cause we know Tyrod loves throwing to tight ends. Um, so that could be kind of a dark horse one, but I, I think it'll be Keenan based on the volume and for defensive kind of standout player. I just cause this team is going to be successful. He's going to have to. Uh, and I, I think he'll adapt pretty well because last year he was sort of, thrown into water a little bit uh after the derwin james and adrian phillips injury uh i think he'll be better equipped to handle it this year so i'll go with rayshon as the defensive standout yeah um i can't disagree with alex in terms of just overall mvp well anyone really i think everyone said bosa uh i was saying earlier this is going to be a career for bosa defensive player of the year all pro pro bowler all of them you name it um if we're going to pick a defensive mvp or best defensive player besides bosa I like Kenneth Murray. I really do. I think uh, I think he's going to be a highlight machine. He's just going to catch that attention. And the Chargers have just been so bad against the run in previous years that he's just so influential. I think him and Linval Joseph kind of – I've written articles about it. They're kind of what's going to either make this a great defense. It's going to turn it from a great defense. If they can stop run those two, like contribute what they can, then this could be like a truly, truly elite defense. Um, yeah. If not, then it's going to be good still, but, you know, they'll have that little hole – um offensive best player too to copy everyone else keenan uh we had this discussion on twitter earlier today that i think keenan's gonna have an insane year uh lead the league in receptions um he just gets open man <laughs> i mean it's it's so simple but he gets open it's yeah. easy for tyrod just to be like oh look he's got five yards of separation let's just dump it off to him uh, i think yardage he might look similar but i think he's gonna have you know people are gonna start using the michael thomas argument you know slants and whatnot to keenan but i don't care keenan's gonna have a great year <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love it man i love the i love the keenan out hype and i'm so excited that that contract got done um and i think i'm not going to disagree with anything really here that's been mentioned i will say i think brian balaga in terms of upgrade is probably the biggest upgrade on the team uh and so for me the overall mvp would be brian balaga just because the chargers offensive line has been so bad over the last few years and i think you know, blog is going to prove his worth and right off the bat against Carlos Dunlaps, which will be a fun uh, week one matchup. So we'll wrap this up here with final record predictions for the Chargers. Um, I tweeted this out today and it was kind of all over the map. Um, so you can say what you think is likely or what you think is kind of the ceiling or, or floor for this team. I'll let each of you kind of decide what you want to say here, um, but just your Chargers record prediction. And we'll start with Alex. So, I haven't actually finished my record prediction in my article. Uh, I had them as six and three going into the bye. Uh, but I have the back half of the schedule getting a little tougher. Uh, so you know what? I'll actually go nine and seven. Uh, I think they are able to finish pretty well. I was thinking 10 and six, but the Derwin injury happened. And that's obviously a pretty big long between eight and nine and seven. But they have a pretty simple stretch there from about week five to week 10, 11. I think they can take advantage of with the dolphins and the Jaguars and the jets. Uh, if they do take advantage of it, 
Uh, so I think they get some wins there, uh, are able to pile up against some easy opponents a little bit. And uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll say they finish 9-7. Yeah, that, that sounds about right to me as well. Jason, Reed, you've been kind of, uh, I don't want to say anti-playoffs, but you know, you've, you've had oh. some, some concerns uh, with this team, particularly with uh, its quarterback position. <laughs> but um, your thoughts on the Chargers record at the end of the year, what are we looking at? Yeah, so you mentioned uh, real quick, I'm kind of a doubter of the quarterback position. Uh, we don't have to name names or anything, but I will say there is um, someone that is close to our court, the quarterbacks in his personal life that has been emailing. Uh, been fun. Um, I know we gave our most likely games to lose that you should win, most likely game to win that you should lose. This year just kind of feels like, when I look at the schedule, it feels like a year where the Chargers are going to win the games that they should win, where they're like favored in. And, I should win I mean like Vegas and they're gonna lose the ones that they should I just I don't know man I I, I keep looking at the schedule and I can't find any answer but eight and eight like I'll, I'll be like oh what if they win this Dolphin game well you know eight and eight is what I got I do think this team you know I was very me and Tyler had a bet uh 10 wins you know not being possible looking at the schedule now I think if they do catch a good team like the Saints kind of just on a bad night um, we spoke about that game. I think we're going to know who wins that game after the first quarter because we've seen Breeze just collapse from pass rush before. But they could absolutely, you know, win a shocking game like that. And then if they don't disappoint against uh, Miami, um, that's a ten win, you know, ten win season based on how I'm predicting the season to go. So Nate, but I will say nothing for higher than I gave credit for. Um, but I also do think the floor is lower than people give credit for. You know, in case the offensive line kind of implodes, um, you know. We haven't seen Tyrod start a full season in three years. So I do think, I think this team is just has so much variance. So it's hard. Eight and eight. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right to me as well. Uh, Tyler Gallagher, your thoughts. Yeah, I'm pretty heavily with Jason on this one now. I'm going to say eight and eight as well. There's a lot of things that could go right, could go wrong. But the biggest turning point for me compared to where I was earlier in the offseason was the news that they were planning on starting Sam Tevy at left tackle. <laughs> and yeah, if Trey Pipkins isn't ready and Tevy really is the best option, that's just extremely concerning. You know, even if it's just a few games, I think a left tackle can cost you some of those easier games as long as there's they have one good defender on that side. Even with a back like Rod back in way all have Keenan Allen if you can't keep your eyes up and look outside of where the offensive line is but also something else to be said is I think this year responsibility is going to go a long ways towards having a good record because you know you can have something like that baseball team in Arizona did of going around and partying during COVID and then boom your opponent suddenly is way weakened so I think that could really add some variance as well and in a positive way for the Chargers because I think Anthony Lynn's going to keep people's heads on straight. And also Tom Flesco has been adding some really high character people to the team. So that's another positive, I guess. But I could really see anything from five wins to 11 wins. Yeah, that just seems like the year of, you know, it's 2020 and everything could go wrong or everything could go right. Um, Tyler Shoon, your thoughts here. I mean, it's tough for an injury. It is definitely tough that Sam Tevy is the left tackle, which I did not expect. <laughs> um, I will say, even if I pick 10 and 6 as my predicted record for them, at most, their ceiling is like 11 and 5. Like their ceiling is just like a notch more, and their floor is so bad. 
Like the worst that can happen is so bad. I mean, there's a chance that Tyrod Taylor doesn't finish this season, whether because he's benched or because of COVID or because he's hurt. And we've seen two of those things happen in his career already. Um, and can Herbert come in and win a game? I don't know. I guess it depends which games they are. Um, does Steichen even call the correct plays for Tyrod Taylor? Is it like Cleveland where they ask him to go one, two, three, throw, one, two, three, throw? Or are they going to roll him out? Or are they going to let him just get killed by Sam Tevy? Who knows? Um, <laughs> you know, who's, who's even playing week four? You know, I don't even know. Like the floor is, is, so, is so poor for them because their whole team could be out by the time week four rolls around. I don't know. So very in year, I still will go with 10 and six because at the end of the day, the tiebreaker for me is the worst thing that could happen for the Chiefs is Tyrod Taylor became the quarterback of the Chargers because the Chiefs can win based on Rivers turnovers. They're probably not going to win the game based on Tyrod Taylor turnovers. Now, can he score enough to beat them? Possibly. They don't score a lot of points. In Mexico City, they only scored 17 legitimate points. The other seven were off of a Rivers turnover. I gave him the ball at the six. You know, so if this defense, which did get better, in my opinion, and this is kind of controversial to say at a surface glance, I think this defense is better right now without Derwin James than it was last year with Derwin James. And I don't mean that because of Derwin James. I mean that because of Balaga, because Jenkins got better, because Adderley's on the field, because of Chris Harris. So that's kind of where it is for me. If they can beat the Chiefs week two, 10-6, I think it's fine. 11-5 is the best they can do, really. But I expect a crap show, or a crap show too. So... We'll see. It's a weird season. I'm ready for whatever. Yeah, it is a super weird season, but I'm excited about it. I do agree. I think eight and eight is probably where I land. Um, I just think, you know, as much as I'm excited about Tyrod Taylor, and I think there's a difference between being excited about what he is and under, and also understanding who he is as a player. Like I'm excited to see what he can do with this kind of cast and having the full support of the organization. But I'm also not expecting him to come out here and throw for 4,500 yards and and throw for 30 touchdowns because that's just not who he is, right? Um, at the end of the day, I, I like the improvements that the roster made, specifically with Kenneth Murray and Brian Balaga, Lamar Joseph. I think those are big-time difference makers from what the team had. Um, but they're one injury from Brian Balaga away to being very similar to what they were in 2019 with you know Trey Pipkins at left tackle, Sam Tevy at right tackle, or Storm Norton at right tackle, or whatever they decided to do. But um, I, I'm worried about the depth, you know, pretty much across the board. I think they invested in some secondary depth and they're better equipped to handle the loss of Derwin James than probably any other of their star players. So I guess that's kind of a silver lining. I'm really excited about Nasir Adderley. Um, but yeah, I think eight and eight is probably where I land. And I think 10 and six is probably the uh, best case scenario for the chargers. Um, so guys, any other thoughts before we let you guys go? Uh, I wanted to have a thought uh, about something Steven tweeted today uh, where he tweeted that Anthony Lynn uh, confirmed that Sam Tevy is the team's starting left tackle yeah. and said he improved a lot in the offseason and loved the way he performed. How much did you grit your teeth when you tweeted that, like, just generally speaking? <laughs> I mean, he might have improved. He couldn't have gotten worse. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I wrote an article about, you know, Trey Pipkins and Sam Tevy and what the left tackle is and, Sam Tevy's good. Like his best performances are pretty good. Like if he, you know, his, I know pro football focus has its issues, but you know, his game against Detroit, which I did a breakdown on, he graded out at 75. And if they could get, you know, 
a 70 graded tackle, like that's a big time upgrade. But the problem is that his bad games, like against the Steelers and the Broncos are in the forties. Like it's such a big drift difference between his good and his bad. Um, and so I think that for me was kind of the difference. I know people kind of criticize Trey Pipkins, but his worst game was in the sixties. So for me, Trey Pipkins should have been the starter because his worst is much better than Tevi's worst um, from what we've seen. So uh, it was not fun. You know, I had classes with Sam Tevi. I've said this a few times. I know Sam Tevi is a person, but um, I just, I don't understand. Like we saw what he did at right tackle and then the chargers are like, yeah, let's move him to left tackle. That'd be better. So it was, <laughs> it was not a fun tweet to send Alex to answer your question. Legitimate. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, Steven. I kind of talked on top of you. Oh, you're good. Um, Go ahead. I just, that's a little legitimate question. Oh, sorry. I punched my mic. Um, why was Bulaga not comfortable going to left tackle? Cause I'd much rather have him at left tackle and Tevi at right tackle. Is it one of those things where he's just played right tackle his entire career and going to the left sides too much? Like, I don't know. I never played football. So my brain's kind of done with that kind of stuff. <laughs> they probably just want to roll him right and make a really solid right side of the line with, with yeah. Turner and Bulaga. And it's just going to suck on the others. It's just going to suck either way as you might as well stack your, your offense on one side and roll out that way. Yeah. I just think of the blind side, Michael Orr. <laughs> yeah, they never saw that movie. No. <laughs> I mean, the right tackle is becoming more important, especially, you know, with deep, with all the great pass rushing duos. So I kind of understand you want to keep a guy in the spot that he is familiar with. I just, uh, you know, I can't believe that they didn't even draft a left tackle to like even bring in some competition or, you know, there was no even attempt at signing Jason Peters or any of these guys to bring in competition. So, um, you know, Tyler Shun tweeted about the weakest link. And for me, you know, it's the left tackle position pretty by far. Um, you know, we have no idea what Storm Norton is capable of. He, apparently he's better than Trey Pipkins from training camp when they only had one scrimmage and no preseason games. I don't know how you can tell that. Um, but the left tackle position is concerning for me for sure. All right. Sounds good. Well, uh, Tyler Gallagher, Tyler Shoon, Jason, thanks for joining us. Uh, Chargers fans, make sure you keep reading Bolt Beat. Uh, you know, those articles that we're going to be pumping out each week uh, will be a lot of good features, a lot of good weekly series. So uh, stay tuned for those. Guys, thanks for joining us on today's show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to be here.